Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you today. I haven't said this at any other service, but I want to right now. That bumper video that we just watched, you know the moment where the person's holding the flame? That actually, we really lit their hands on fire. No, seriously, that's not computer generated. Isn't that how creative our team is? They're willing to light their hands on fire for a video. That's amazing. I remember when they were saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna figure out how to light our hands on fire. I was like, you guys shouldn't do that, but if you want to, go for it. Let's see what happens. So we have a very incredible creative team here at the church, don't we? We love them. Uh, hey, listen, if you're a guest with us, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors on staff at the church, and it is just an honor to have you joining us. And these are the moments in our services where we come around the scriptures. We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. We believe it is relevant for us today. And so we look to these moments as a community to come around the scriptures, to learn more about who God is, who Jesus is, and how are we called to respond to the saving message of Jesus Christ? And how are we to learn to walk and be led by the spirit of God each and every day? And so if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna invite you to open up to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 9, and I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet for the reading of the word. We're in the midst of a series entitled Fresh Wind and Fresh Fire. We're focusing on the Holy Spirit, and today we're going to look at the works of the Holy Spirit. Let's begin to read this together. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Rome, and he would say these words. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we would just simply ask that you would take this word and place it deep into our hearts. Encourage us in the areas we need to be encouraged. Convict us in the areas where we need to be convicted. Lord, this is your time. And we ask that you would limit the distractions in this moment so that we can receive fully the word that you would have for us. We love you, we thank you, and your precious and your holy name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I wanna share with you three experiences that I have had. First experience, I think I was around five or six years old. My father and I were on a trip to Carson City, Nevada. We were seeing some friends who lived there and it happened to be going over a weekend and so they invited us to go to their church. And so we entered into their church, and I've, you know, been raised in the church. My parents are ministers, and so this is not a new environment for me. And as I enter into this church building, the time of worship began. And the congregation started singing this song that I had never heard before, but it kept saying over and over, calling down fire, calling down fire, calling down fire from heaven. Now, you have to remember, I'm six years old. 
So I don't quite understand the beauty of metaphor being used in worship music, but there was a moment where I thought, why would we be calling down fire from heaven? And in the midst of this singing of this song, individuals in the congregation, a majority of the congregation, started to run around the room. And they're running around the room and they're spinning and they're singing, calling down fire, calling down fire. And I remember a moment where I looked up to my dad and thought, are we okay? I had never been in an environment like this. Now, recently, actually, someone mentioned to me that there's actually a name for this. It's, they call it a Jericho March. Now, what's interesting is even at six years old, I think I probably would have known the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho. And again, that wouldn't have helped me because not only are we calling down fire, but I know what happens once you march around enough. The building begins to fall. Why are we singing these songs? Why are we marching? I was very confused at what was going on. Now, experience number two, probably was 13, 14 years old, with my dad watching TBN late at night. And I remember, you know, there'd be a minister up at the front and, and he'd say things like, you know, we're, we're experiencing a move of the Holy Spirit in this room. And the, you know, the cameras would pan throughout the room. And we'll just say there was a lot of like extracurricular activity taking place in the room. And again, I remember just being a little bit skeptical of what was going on. Third experience, I was probably 19 years old and I was part of an organization and an individual had come in to speak to us and he invited those who wanted to be prayed for to, to have a time of prayer with him. And so I said, yeah, why not? That sounds like a, a good thing. And so I went and I was prayed for. And he mentioned to me, he said, hey, I really feel, you know, uh, led by the Spirit to give you a word. And he starts speaking over my life and, and a lot of it were really good things. And then he started talking about maybe a call on my life to be a celibate. Now, I don't, I, I don't say that to sound, try, I'm not trying to sound funny. That's actually a legitimate call that people have in their lives. There's nothing wrong with that. It's actually quite beautiful. But it didn't resonate with me. I mean, even at that time, my wife and I, we weren't married yet, but we were dating at the time. And in my head, it just, it was so, to be honest with you, it was a little hard to hear. It, it left me in this place of like, why would you speak that to me? I don't understand what's going on. I remember calling my dad being like, what is going on here? Now, I got to be honest with you. Based upon that experience, there were years in my early 20s where if you were to come up to me and say, hey, listen, Daniel, I have a word for you. I want to pray over you. I would have said, yeah, no, thank you. Go pray for them. <laughs> I'm serious. That experience left me a little uneasy. To be honest, it actually left me a little hurt. Now, those three experiences, they began to develop a theology of mine in regards to the Holy Spirit. And what I began to realize even in my own self was that that misunderstanding began to lead to a neglect in my life of the Holy Spirit. That my skepticism began to lead to a cynicism of the Holy Spirit. And that moment of, of discomfort or hurt or confusion actually led me to begin to resist the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, maybe some of that might resonate with you. You know, maybe you feel really confident about the, the Father. You feel confident about this person, Jesus. But maybe even you have found at times kind of resisting this idea of this Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm good on the first two, not quite sure about this other one. 
But see, friends, what we need to realize is that the work of the Spirit, it's essential for the life of a believer. In fact, I would say that without the work of the Spirit, you cannot experience the fullness of God. I love the famed theologian Charles Spurgeon. He says this, if then... I worship the Father and the Son, but forget or neglect to adore the Holy Spirit. I do what? I worship less than God. I don't know about you, but I do not want to worship less than God. And so I think it's important for us as a church, for those of us who profess faith in Christ, to understand the reality of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Greek philosopher Aristotle, he made this statement. He said, if you want to explain something or to understand something, you have to not only understand its origin, but you also have to understand its goal. Now, to realize the origin of the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is look at the beginning of the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, verses 2. Even before the creation of the world, we read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Holy Spirit is not just something that was added to the triune God in Acts chapter two during Pentecost. No, 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 the Holy Spirit has been working throughout the biblical narrative. So the the origin has always been part. We believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what is the goal of the Holy Spirit? What is the mission of the Holy Spirit? Now, there's a lot of things that we could say about this, but I want to throw up a slide for us, and I want us to kind of help to articulate a basic understanding. The Holy Spirit, mission, pretty simple, to glorify Christ. Look at the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John. He, being the Holy Spirit, will glorify me, being Jesus, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So the mission of the Holy Spirit, in one way you could communicate it, is that it's to glorify Christ. Now go down to ability, and we need to realize that the Holy Spirit is adequate in fulfilling this mission. This is the work he was sent to do, and he is able to do it. Now I want to go to the next slide and let's look at the believer. And you'll notice some parallels, but there is a very important difference. Mission, you'll realize, very similar mission, to glorify Christ. We could have used a number of different verses, but I chose 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to declare his excellencies. We are to bring Christ's glory. Now, this is the difference. Look at the ability. Inadequate. In and of ourselves, we are inadequate to bring Christ the glory in which he deserves. What we are called to, we cannot. So what is the solution? Well, simply put, Take that which is adequate, the Holy Spirit, and place it inside the life of a believer. And that is the essence as to what we're going to see as we unpack Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 14. This is what the Apostle Paul is wanting to have us begin to understand. 
is that the first work of the Holy Spirit is this idea of there is an indwelling that takes place. And this allows us to fulfill the mission to bring Christ glory. So let's go back to our text, Romans 8, starting in verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God does what? Lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Now, if you're newer to the church experience, some of those words might be a little bit unfamiliar. You might be wondering this whole, okay, what's this flesh that they're talking about? Well, the flesh, we could say it like this, is the base reactions to which human nature turns. We all, as human beings, we have certain propensities towards certain things. We have certain desires. And so that oftentimes in the scriptures is equated as our flesh. I love this from Arthur W. Pink. He wrote a book called From the Leading of the Holy Spirit. He says these words, as soon as we are born, we follow the bent of our natural appetites. And the first few years of our life are governed merely by sense. And those who have young kids know exactly what he's talking about. And the pleasures begotten by gratifying our senses become deeply ingrained in us. Moreover, by constant living in the world and long contact with material things, the tendency increases upon us and we become more strongly settled in a worldly frame. There is a inner tension that the believer lives in. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Galatia in Galatians chapter five talks about this, this tension we experience between spirit and flesh. Yes, we receive the spirit of God, those who profess faith in Christ, but there still is this fleshly nature that we have and they are at odds with one another. Now, continuing on in our text, the Apostle Paul, again, Romans eight, verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. So what we need to understand and to realize from these first number of verses is that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wants us to realize as the church that there is an indwelling of the Spirit that can take place in your life. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth. We believe that everything was perfect and beautiful. We believe that because of our human bent towards our own desire and not doing the will of God, sin enters into the equation and everything has been disrupted ever since. And now we have a tendency as human beings to just live out of our disordered desires that we find inside us. But most often those disordered desires do not align with the desires that God has for us as people to live out this vision that he has for human flourishing. Now, God did not just leave us in that state of sin, but he provided his son. God actually took on flesh. God incarnate came to sinful humanity and lived out a perfect and a sinful life, a non-sinful life, I should probably make sure that's clear, and then gave himself up as a sacrifice to die on the cross for our sins. And those of us who have come to the conclusion that that is the reality of the biblical story, we then can experience this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
And that is the first work that takes place. And in the midst of that indwelling, what is taking place for us? The first aspect I wanna talk about for just a number of moments is this idea of regeneration. Regeneration is the act of God in imparting life to those who are spiritually dead. At one point or another, every human being who has ever walked this planet, except for Christ Jesus, we were spiritually dead. But because of Christ's great work on the cross, we can experience new life. This is the idea of regeneration. Remember the, uh, Ezekiel saying the words, at some point what was gonna need to happen was this heart that was made of stone is gonna have to be replaced with a heart of flesh. That is this process of regeneration. Titus verse three, or chapter three, verse five. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Those who profess faith in Jesus Christ, not because of anything we have done, but faith and belief, we get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And a regeneration takes place, a new life begins to transpire. And then from regeneration, we can move on to this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter one, verses four and five. On one occasion, while he being Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now he had already been crucified. He had already been buried. He had already rose again. And then Jesus said these words to his disciple. Uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, what is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? I think we can articulate it very simply with two ideas. The first being that we are through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we are placed in union with Christ. We were once outside of union with Christ and then through the work of the cross and our belief in Jesus, we then get to receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now we are in union with Christ. But not only in union, we now actually get to experience the inclusion of being part of the church. We get to be amongst this experience with one another. So there is union with Christ and there is inclusion into the body of Christ. And all of this is sealed. Listen to 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, verse 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. For the life of the believer who has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there is a great promise attached to this. Even in the midst of the the difficulty we face in the world, even in the midst of what we look out and we say, oh, it's so dismal out there. It is so dark out there. Even in the midst of everything that is transpiring around us, we as believers in Jesus with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have a great hope to look forward to that one day Jesus will come back and he will renew all things and we will get to be in relationship with him for everlasting, for eternity. This is a great thing, my friends. This is something that should give us a grand hope. This should be something that carries us along in the midst of our days. And so the first work is that of indwelling, 
But it does not end there. Key into what the Apostle Paul begins to speak beginning in verse 12. Therefore, so based upon the indwelling, based upon this idea that I've continued to press upon you in these last few verses of the Spirit being in you, brothers and sisters, we have what? An obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. This is what we need to begin to realize in this moment. There is, yes, an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That happens when we put our faith and belief in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. A regeneration takes place, yes. A baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place, yes. This is a sealed promise for us, yes. But then there comes this obligation, this beautiful invitation, and it's to the secondary work of the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. There is a certain type and a certain quality of life that is meant to flow out of those who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. There's a type and a quality of life that is to bring Christ glory, as we said earlier. It is not glory to us. It is glory to our Savior. And the work of the Holy Spirit in us is to do what? It is to manifest Christ's likeness out of us in character and in calling. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 7. Beginning verse 37, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I think for a lot of individuals in the church who have believed in the gospel and the message of Jesus and have received the free gift of salvation, many in the church have experienced verse 37. We have come to him and we have freely gotten to drink of the life that Jesus has to offer. But I think what is less common is for members of the church, those who believe, to move into the fulfillment of verse 38. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, what should happen? Rivers of living water will flow from within them. There's a type of life that is now called to flow from you. This life force that is in you now wants to work its way out of you. So this work of outflowing begins first in character. Listen to Galatians chapter five. This is a passage of scripture that if you've spent any time in church, I'm sure you've heard. This is the type of passage of scripture that you probably have painted on some you know, piece of wood that you got from Marshalls at some point, even pinned up in your house somewhere. But let me tell you before I even read it, I don't believe that this is just an ideal. I think this is the expectation. Galatians chapter five. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I propose the question, do you see yourself becoming more a person of love? Are you seeing more of a gentle, kindness, 
patient, joy-filled character coming forth out of your life. I just was at the, the, the park the other day with my, with my two kids and my son Otto. He was just being mean on the playground. That's embarrassing for me to say, but I'm just gonna confess it to you all. I was not impressed. And there was a moment where I had to call over my son and say, hey man, Otto, we follow the way of Jesus. And that means that we need to be kind. Now here's the reality. He's three years old. He has not yet said yes to Jesus. He's not yet got to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I believe all of that is going to happen in his life. But even now, I want to start to cast a vision for my son. Hey, we follow the way of Jesus, which means we are kind. It means we are gentle. It means that we're growing in love. It means we have some self-control in our life. It means that we're experiencing peace. I mean, just take a moment and think about everything that you've posted on your social media pages the last couple of years. Would someone be able to read what you post and say, yeah, this is someone who believes in the Imago Dei. This is someone who believes that this person was created in the image of God. The way they're speaking about them, the way that they're talking about them, I would say that this is a person of love. I think some of us might say, yeah, probably not. But see, friends, that's what we need to be growing in. That's what we need to be experiencing. So again, the first work of the, the Holy Spirit in the sense of indwelling then moves to outflowing. And first and foremost, I think it's a character formation that needs to take place in us. But then here, secondly, it's a outflowing work of calling. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus speaking to his disciples but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, we have a mission and an obligation in front of us to be witnesses to the person and to the work of Jesus Christ. I would hate to break it to us, but we are not just here to develop and to build our own kingdom. We are here to do his kingdom work. We are here to point people to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We are here to help people understand that there is a biblical narrative that you can live in and live out of that is steeped with promises, not just for now, but also for the future. But I think there are times for members of the church where we are so focused on our own reality and what it is that we want to do and how we want to see our life lived out that we forget that we are called to be witnesses to the great and beautiful message of Jesus Christ. There is a calling for the church. And it's a calling to, as you develop in your character, as you become more Christ-like, you then witness the reality of that, not just through your words, but also through your deeds. You start entering into your workplace and you don't look at it as just a place where you collect a check. You actually look at it as an opportunity to exude the characteristics of Christ. That individual that you've spent the last three months talking behind their back and you just can't wait to get in the office to find someone who will listen to you continue to bash that person because of how they frustrate you, you might actually begin to experience a conviction from the Holy Spirit and maybe you would enter into your workplace in the beginning of the day and you first start with prayer for that person because you don't know their life. You don't know their story. You may not know that their mother's battling cancer. 
and they don't have a relationship with their father, so their mother has been a lifeline to them, and the fact that she is dying has inhibited their ability to even operate as a person. Church, we have to be better. We have to become more the person that God has called and to be witnesses to that great story of Jesus. The work of indwelling, the work of outflowing. Now here's what we need to understand about both of these. I believe that every believer through faith experiences the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But not every believer experiences in the full the outflowing of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling does not mean automatic outflowing. Capacity for is different than fulfillment of. And we have to realize that. There are many of us, yes, we've experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We've been regenerated. We have new life. We've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's been sealed. We look forward to heaven. But there's nothing outflowing. Nothing is coming out of us. And I think Jesus hints at this idea in John chapter 12. Now I will say he is speaking about himself and he is speaking about what he is about to experience in his death, but I think there is a principle for us to grab. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Watchman Nee, his commentary of this says it this way, life is within the grain of wheat, but there is a shell, a very hard shell on the outside. And as long as the shell is not split open, the wheat cannot sprout and grow. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, what is this death? It is the cracking open of the shell through temperature and humidity and working together with the soil. Once the shell of the husk is split open, the wheat begins to grow. Do you see the picture I want us to see for just a moment? There is this life that has been placed inside you, yes, in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But for it to begin to outflow first, there is going to be a breaking down. See, I believe in order to see an outflow of the Spirit in our lives, we need to experience a release of the Spirit. Now, hopefully, in this moment, you're beginning to ask the question, okay, well, how would that maybe happen? Because maybe you're saying, yeah, I've put my faith in Jesus a long time ago, so I get this idea that the Spirit of God is dwelling in me, but I may be honest and vulnerable enough to say that I have not seen the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me. I've probably been more focused on my own personal calling and and desires than really the the call on my life as a believer in the way of Jesus and to be a witness to the gospel. See, maybe what you might say about yourself is similar to what the apostle Paul said to the church in Thessalonica when he told them, do not quench the spirit. How many of us have lived our life in a way that it is quenching the work of the Holy Spirit? Or maybe what Paul said to the church in Ephesus, that you are grieving the Holy Spirit. I cannot think of two worse things that I would want said about this body of believers, that they are a a group of people who have quenched the Holy Spirit and they live a life that grieves the Holy Spirit. If we're quenching and we're grieving, we are not releasing. Therefore, we are not outflowing. Therefore, we are not fulfilling mission. 
And so what would a release of the Spirit begin to look like? I wanna end our time today focusing on this idea. Practices for release. I wanna work through this together for just a couple more minutes. And then I'm gonna challenge you to this upcoming week to put these into practice in your life, to wake up and actually to walk through this routine, so to speak. Now, some of you right now are thinking, wait a second, there's homework? And what I would say to you, there actually always is homework. You just might not be choosing to do it. <laughs> so we're gonna make it super clear this morning. Now, uh, these graphics will be in the app. So you're more than welcome to download the We Are Calvary app and go to notes and you'll see them there. I'm sure we'll post them on social media and all of that, but let me just walk through this real quick. I think that a practices for release begins with recognition through scripture. I think it'd be so beautiful for us to wake up each day and just to read scripture that reminds us that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What I suggested was Romans 8 verses 9 through 14. That might sound familiar because it's what we read today. And I would encourage you, read all of Romans 8. It is a beautiful passage of scripture. And then recognition, I think, should lead us to reverence. If you really take time and to ponder the reality that the God who created the heavens and the earth wants to have his spirit dwelling in you, that should lead to reverence. And I think that we can experience reverence through the idea of worship. Spend time in worship expressing adoration towards God. Example, listen to music that invokes praise. So have that time of scripture reading. Remind your heart and your mind and your soul that there's this beautiful reality of the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and that I'm just gonna sit in a time of worship. Thank you, God, for that reality. And then continue on to the repentance through examination. This is a very simple prayer of examination, but you could, after you get done, you know, worshiping, then take some time and become aware of God's presence and then begin with gratitude. Think about for myself right now. My wife is 11 days away from her due date with our third baby. That's something I'm grateful for. And I know she's really grateful for it to happen even sooner than 11 days. <laughs> I'm grateful for my two kids. I'm grateful for getting to be part of this church. I'm grateful for the house that we live in. I'm, thank, God, thank you for what you're doing in my life. And then pay attention to your emotions. Give yourself some space to, what am I feeling this morning? Is there anger, sadness, frustration, worry, anxiousness? Don't, God's not afraid of your emotions. God gave you emotions. But the problem is we don't often do with our emotions what I think God would want. I think ultimately he wants us to feel those things and then to set them at his feet and say, Lord, would you help me process why I feel this way? And then what is being revealed, call it out. And then what needs to be confessed and repented of? Maybe what you bring out is, you know, oh, I'm just so frustrated and angry and mad at this person I work with. I'm so, fr oh. and then in the midst of you saying all those things and you actually allow the emotion to come out and then you give it to God, maybe the Holy Spirit goes, yeah, but maybe you wouldn't be so mad if you stopped spending time talking so poorly about them all day at work. And then you just start to weep. Oh, I am so bummed at myself. And then you just confess and you repent. And then you, lastly, you rest in forgiveness and grace. Listen, friends, we are going to make mistakes in life. 
Okay, we're not going to walk out this beautiful life following Jesus perfectly. One day we will experience a glorification and it will happen, but it is not yet. But do not live in that shame when you don't live up to the beauty and the holiness of Jesus. Repent of it, confess of it, and sit in the reality of forgiveness and grace. And then from this examination, have a time of re-surrender through submission. Read Romans 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Just say a quick little prayer. Lord, I just, I submit my day to you. I submit my wants. I submit my desires. And then lastly, request through prayer. With hope, look toward your day. What newness would the Holy Spirit be inviting you into? Lord, as I enter into my workplace today, what would your Holy Spirit be inviting me into? What conversations do I need to be intentional with? Who's the person in my space that needs the most encouragement today? And might I go after them with words of encouragement? Lord, you've been so good to, as I was looking at this moment of, of gratitude and realizing how financially blessed I've been in this season, Lord, would you reveal someone to me in my sphere of influence that could use some financial support? See, what these practices begin to do is they begin to break something in us. They allow this new life to begin to come out of us. And friends, I believe that is a big thing the church needs right now is we need a breakthrough. There is so much that I believe that the Lord wants to do in and through his church right now. There is so much opportunity at hand. Don't look at the darkness in the world and say, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna be, be you know, closed off. No, 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 let's witness, let's embrace, let's walk into all that God has. Let's be part of his plan for renewal, but a breakthrough has to happen because we cannot do it in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So do not resist the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not, do not quench the Holy Spirit. I wanna close with this. Listen to the words of Watchman Nee. The question is not how thus to obtain life, but rather how to allow the life to come forth. When we say we need the Lord to break us, this is not merely a style of speaking. They changed the thing now, it messed me up. <laughs> you know what, let me just read off my own notes. It's not a style of speaking or a doctrine. It is most vital that the Lord breaks us. It is not that the Lord's life cannot cover the earth, but rather, listen to this, we imprison his life. It is not that the Lord cannot bless the church, but that the Lord's life is so confined within us, nothing is flowing forth. We need a breakthrough. Friends, let me tell you, simply put, something has to break in the church. That life that has been indwelling in us, it needs a break. It needs to go forth. It needs to be released. And so I wanna invite you to stand to your feet. And we're gonna to begin to sing this song as we close. And I'm just gonna ask you, if this is what you want, if you want breakthrough, if you wanna see a release of the spirit, if you wanna be part of what God is doing, just don't even just sing this. Would you declare this? Would you proclaim this? Let this be your heart's cry and your passion this morning. Let's sing together. <laughs>